Our scripture reading today comes from Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, and on man and beast, and on all their labors. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass fade, wow, the flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forget things after two weeks of being on vacation. I don't know. What well, seems like there are times in our lives where there are so many things calling for our attention that it's overwhelming. So, for instance, over the past few weeks, Emily and I have had so many things calling for our attention. Uh, fix the brakes on our van. Uh, figure out getting new blinds, pack for vacation, do laundry for vacation, fix our leaky fridge, plan lessons for the school year, in addition to all the regular things of life. And I'm sure that you've encountered times like this as well. Now, when we're faced with so many things that we have to take care of, what do we need to do? We need to prioritize. Right? Some things have to get done right away. Other things can wait a few days. And some can get put on the back burner. They can wait a few months. But as we talk about priorities, we also have to ask ourselves, where does God fit in our list of priorities? Because sometimes, amidst everything else, God winds up being put on the back burner and we wind up making him less of a priority than he deserves. Now, this is not a new problem. In fact, during Haggai's day, this was a thing going on. The people of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, were dealing with misplaced priorities. In 587 BC, Jerusalem and God's temple were destroyed by the Babylonians. The people of Judah were then carted off to live in Babylon forcibly. Seventy years later, by the grace of God, though, they're able to return home to Jerusalem. And they start rebuilding the temple. 
But things stall out, and the temple continues to lie in ruins for another 14 years. And even after those 14 years, the people are saying, the time has not come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And so the Lord responds to them. He responds to what has become an excuse through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So, so it's, it, let me get this straight. It's, it's a time for you to have your nice houses, but the house of the Lord gets to be a dump? It's time for that? Something's not right here. Something's wrong with this picture. The people of Judah have a case of misplaced priorities. If you remember, in the Old Testament, the temple was the central place where God was worshipped. It was a building devoted to bringing him glory and honor. But their choice to focus on their own homes and their own things to the exclusion of God's temple revealed something about their hearts toward God himself. They were concerned with their own things, not God's glory. Now, Obviously, it wasn't wrong for them to be concerned with their homes and making them look nice and building them. That wasn't the issue. The issue was they were prioritizing those things above God and his glory. But the thing is, God will not play second best. He will not play second best to our homes, to our cars, to our phones, to our grades, to our obsessions. And yet we can become just like the people of Judah when we let other priorities come before seeking the Lord in our lives. Especially when we, we allow the busyness of our lives to keep us from seeking the Lord. Now how might we know that God has become less of a priority or less than number one in our lives? Well, there are a number of different ways, but here are a few. Uh, when prayer isn't really part of our decision-making, where we don't really ask God for direction or wisdom in situations. Or when Scripture is rarely a part of our lives outside of Sunday mornings. Or when we typically just depend on ourselves or our finances or anything else for our ultimate security. A pastor friend of mine, John Eulen, adds this, it's not wrong to have and enjoy good things in life. But if that is the purpose of life, if we look at our schedule and see that there is very little to no room for God on a regular basis, but there's all this room for pleasure and entertainment and accolades, something is off. And so things like these would indicate that God has become less than number one in our lives. And as we see in the people of Judah, they had time for their things, but not for the Lord and his glory. So they need a course correction. And that's what God does. He grabs their attention. He sends hard times upon them, so that no matter what they did, they never seemed to have enough. God frustrated their endeavors and their planting. They didn't have enough to eat. They didn't have enough to drink. They, money seemed to just fly out the window. And twice God says here, consider your ways. Consider what you're doing that is causing this to happen. 
In this particular instance, these things are happening to them because of their misplaced priorities. God is not being glorified among them, either in their hearts or through his place of worship. And so they had forfeited the blessings that could have been theirs because of those misplaced priorities. God sometimes, and I I know we don't really like to talk about this, but God sometimes uses hard times to get our attention. Difficulty can wake us up to something that has gone awry in our relationship with God. Perhaps God has been put on the back burner of our lives, maybe without us even realizing it. And out of love, those are key words, out of love, God makes or allows things to become uncomfortable for us in order to redirect us. Out of love, because God disciplines those he loves, like we discipline our children whom we love. Right? If we have a child who's refusing to clean their room, we're going to make things a little bit uncomfortable for them to continue not cleaning their room. Okay, well, if you don't clean your room, you can't have friends over until you do. You can't have screen time until you do, in the hopes that our child will say, oh, maybe I should clean my room, because things will go better if I do. About 10 years ago, Emily and I woke up to discover that someone had stolen the wheel off of her car. Why anyone would want to steal the wheel off a 2000 Ford Crown Victoria, I will never know. But this was a really stressful thing for me because I really, really worried about our finances, mainly because we didn't have much. And the next day, as I'm just stewing on this and concerned about this and and the cost, I'm driving my car to work, and I say to God something like, how much more of this are we going to have to take? And I kid you not, not two minutes later, my car breaks down. You know, the car with all the wheels. The radiator is kaput. And what I really think God was doing in that situation was showing me I was looking in the wrong place for our security. I had to look to him, not to our bank balance for our security and for our provision. He was showing me, you need to trust me to provide. And by not trusting him with our finances, I was forfeiting the peace I could have had in depending on him. And it's very interesting because God very clearly showed us we could depend on him because the next day we got a call from a friend of ours from church who said, I'll take care of your car for you. And we didn't have to pay for it to be repaired. Just saying, God provides. But I really do think that during that hard time, God was hitting me over the head with his truth and redirecting me as he redirects all of us in different ways. I want to clarify, though, that hard times are not always God pointing out a sin in our lives. It's often more complicated than that. For instance, we see Job. We see Joseph in the Old Testament Their hard times didn't have anything to do with sin in their lives. 
But what we always want to do, regardless of when a hard, regardless of the reason why a hard time is coming up in our lives, it's important to ask, what is God teaching me through this situation? Now, when God grabs our attention, we can do one of two things. We could ignore him, or we can do something about it. And Judah, the people of Judah, do something about it. They repent and they obey God. They commit to rebuilding God's temple. They listen. They commit to his glory and honor. And thus God promises, I am with you. They need not fear any obstacle as they build his temple. God blesses those who seek him first. In Haggai 2, 18 and 19, we read, Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. God promises to bless the people of Judah to provide for their needs because they have made him first again, as evidenced in their commitment to his glory through the temple. Things hadn't changed yet, but from that day on, their needs were going to be met. Things were going to change. They would receive what they lacked. Now, the blessings of God are not always material, and they don't always mean that we don't go, uh, they don't mean that we don't go through really, really difficult times in life. But we do know that God provides for his people's needs, and I have seen that time and time again. And so as school begins, as vacations wind down, as we move into uh, the busier time of life, the busier season of life again, I want to encourage all of us to commit to keeping God as number one in our lives. Now remember that this is about prioritizing a relationship, not a task. It's not about checking the box off every day. It's about living life with and for Jesus in all aspects of our lives. It's about him being the center of our lives and letting everything flow from there. When Emily and I were on our vacation, uh, we stayed with a spiritual mentor of mine uh, for most of the the time we were there. Um, And it was very clear that Jesus was number one in her life. And that was evidenced by the way she reacted to things. So for instance, she was having someone install something in her house and it was a very stressful installation. And then the guy dropped a tiny piece that was like really vital and we didn't know where it was. And so she calls me and Emily over and says, okay, we need to pray. And so we pray, Lord, help us find this, help us, uh, you know where it is. And, And... You know, a few minutes later, we found it. And then something really great happened. We got some great news about something that Emily and I had been praying for for a while, that God had answered with a yes. And rather than just saying, oh, that's great, she's like, okay, we need to pray. We need to thank God. And so she leads us in a prayer of thanksgiving for answering our prayers. 
And, and that kind of disposition that she has, and that, that is very much her, if you know her. That is, that is her every day. That kind of disposition of dependence and thanksgiving to God reminded me that making him first includes acknowledging his involvement in all parts of our lives and celebrating that. Now, foundational to God being number one in our lives is spending time with him in scripture and prayer. As we study the scriptures, as we communicate with God, we grow. A blogger, Joe Carter, writes, the purpose of encouragement, uh, rather, the purpose of engagement with the Bible is so that we hear and encounter God. It's not just about reading words on a page, it's about encountering the Lord. And I know that sometimes we see this as a chore, but really, it's spending time with the God of the universe who wants us to know him, who wants us to be with him. And if it, this hasn't been your regular daily practice, I really encourage you to, to begin. Because it's in studying his word and in prayer that he begins to change our hearts and ways. He makes us more like Jesus. And I found that in doing this consistently that my attitude and my perspective starts to change. And I become quicker to look to God. Now if you have trouble uh, with understanding scripture or trouble understanding, you know, how exactly do you pray? Or if you have trouble developing this kind of a practice in your life, I would love to help you any way you can. Any way I can, rather. Let's talk. We'll figure it out together. But I do have a few suggestions here. Um, you can try out a Bible reading plan on the Bible app. It's really great stuff there. You could use a good devotional book. You don't actually have to read scripture. You can also listen to scripture if that's easier for you, if you process better. Um, and if understanding scripture is a difficult thing for you, we're actually starting uh, in a few weeks a three-week Bible study on Wednesday nights about how to read and understand scripture. Now, what other kinds of postures in our lives might demonstrate that God is becoming number one? Well, when God is first, prayer becomes a crucial part of our lives and our decision-making. When God is first, we begin to depend on him for our ultimate security. Scripture and prayer become a major part of our lives outside of Sunday mornings. And, you know, I think making God number one is not a one-and-done deal where, okay, now he's just always number one. I think we are constantly reprioritizing to bring God to number one, and we may not always do this perfectly, but I believe God is pleased when we seek to put him first, even when we don't do it perfectly. All right, kids and students, you are going back to school. Boo, yeah, we know. Um, I would always feel the same way too, so I feel you. Um, but how can you prioritize your walk with Jesus as school starts? I wanna give you a few suggestions. Stay in scripture. Build that time of reading God's word now. Pray when you go to school, for your day, when you study, before exams. Pray for your friends and teachers. Pray for God to help you navigate the inevitable drama that happens at school. Consider how God might have you reflect Christ and be a blessing to those around you. And don't hide your faith in the Lord. 
Be open about that. Take advantage of downtime, too. You know, if you're, if you're waiting online and you don't have really anyone to talk to, you know, instead of pulling out your phone and, you know, scrolling through TikTok for five minutes, just, you know, put it aside one time during the day and open the Bible. And then finally, know that no matter what goes on in school, through all of the stress and all of the craziness, the Lord is with you. Look to him. I want to close with a quote from an Old Testament scholar, Mark Botta. He says, In a world filled with increasing activities and opportunities, individuals and families need to ask serious questions about their priorities in light of God's kingdom. What values do we bring to modern life and society that reflect the priorities of God? Will we establish individual and family rhythms of rest that release us from the tyranny of the urgent? Will we clear space in our schedules to hear the voice of God and rejuvenate our souls? Let us pray. Lord, we come to you knowing that in your grace, you prioritized saving us. But we confess that we do not always make you the center of our lives. And so we pray that as we leave here, that you would show us ways that we can bring you to first place, that we can live that out in our words and thoughts and actions. We love you, Lord, and you deserve the honor and praise and glory, for you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.